Are you tired of the cookie cutter approach to education that's stuck in the last century? Are you seeking a win-win situation where your family thrives, your kid's education is revolutionary, and you still get to chase your own dreams? Welcome to Unschooled Unleashed. Unlock your child's genius. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, an unapologetic rebel dad and promoter of what many consider to be educational anarchy. You know the world isn't going to be won by those that just toe the line. It's the innovators, the visionaries, and the resilient spirits that are going to thrive. Our mission here is to forge those world changers within our very homes with less stress, energy, and time. Unschooled, Unleashed starts now. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Unschooled Unleashed. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki. And today we're going to be talking about uh, how to make adventures into education. (laughs) I recently took my 10-year-old son out on a trip. We made an adventure, but we surprisingly had a bunch of educational opportunities along the way. Some of it intentional, some of it not, some of it not so much. Um, so I just wanted to pass on any kind of wisdom, uh, maybe some things that I discovered onto you. And then at the very end, what I'm going to do is give you a, uh, kind of a playbook on how you might be able to do this yourself. So with that, let's dive in. Today, we're going to talk about adventures in learning and how we did education on on the move, if you will. I decided for my son's, my oldest son's 10th birthday, that we were going to go and uh, go on a little adventure. And I was going to let him pick, but we could only go within a couple hours. We're Cleveland-based. So uh, our options were basically within like a two or three hour radius. So that leaves us Pittsburgh, Columbus, Ohio, maybe Buffalo is in that range, Detroit, Toledo. Um, it's probably some cities I'm forgetting, (laughs) but we're going to stay in that general range. And, uh, what we chose to do is go to Detroit. A lot of history there. I actually lived in Detroit for a little over two years of my life. And I thought it might actually be a cool adventure taking my son to the city that I lived in when I turned 10. So there was some natural, uh, connectedness to that 10 year mark, uh, with myself. And I thought it might be a great way to celebrate my son's 10th birthday, but, uh, he chose it. We, we decided to go to Detroit. I just proposed it. He thought it was a great idea. So we went on this adventure and I found some really unique ways to help him grow. Uh, wasn't like I was necessarily looking for these opportunities. I was more looking to make an adventure, uh, build, you know, relationship, uh, really look forward into our future relationship and how that's going to work. I mean, he's turning 10. I mean, by the time he's 12, I want that bond firmly in place for the teenage years. And I want to be in that kind of, I don't know, role where he respects my opinion, not does just what he's told. And we're transitioning over to that as we speak, starting at the the 10-year mark. And really the, the the foundation was laid before this, but I'm really going to be putting a focus on this as we move forward. At least that's my intention. I think that's the wisest move for me. So what we decided to do was head off to Detroit in the box truck we just bought. Now I just got this box truck. I converted it over to, an, well, I'm converting it over to an RV as we speak. And our adventure is going to be going to Detroit and we're going to spend the entire weekend in Detroit and we're going to stay in the box truck. 
and there's a bunch of logistical things that we had to figure out. So I involved him in the whole planning aspect of it. And uh, along the way, what, what this did, and, and now I'm going to talk about some of the positive things as I, as I move forward with this, uh, with this uh, podcast episode, is, is kind of what I learned from it. So when, when I, we went over and we started planning all this, we, cre- we had a whole bunch of problems, right? We're staying in a box truck. We don't have heat. We don't have this. We don't have that. We have to figure it out. And this helped him foster some of his creativity because I, I treated him as somewhat of an equal in that sense. I mean, his opinion counted as much as mine. And, and that was really important. Not that his opinion doesn't count outside of that, but uh, this was definitely framed as collaborative and that it's his responsibility to problem solve that along with me. At least that's how I tried to frame it. Um, in addition to that, he also had to be very adaptable because along the way we ran, we ran into problems. And <clears throat> I think this really helped get his brain working and, you know, the, the, the blood pumping in his, through his brain. And I, and I thought that was a, just a pretty cool experience. Now, one of the cool things that just kind of a thought I had, I guess, while I was doing this is this, everyone kept on asking us at the time, oh, are you uh, homeschoolers? And I didn't understand why they would think that. But then again, we were there during, you know, like in Detroit during school hours and <laughs> um, at least some of the time. And I was surprised people picked up on that. So that was pretty interesting. But we did have the freedom to be able to do that. And without that flexibility for us to be able to do that, we, we wouldn't have been able to take this impromptu trip. And we did have a couple of days of planning and maybe a week or so, but we could do it whenever we really wanted to. And the only thing we had to build it around was uh, the parent's schedule. And, <clears throat> and, and I think that uh, trying to juggle it between three different schedules, meaning each parent and then the child's school schedule would have been even more difficult to try and plan that. So homeschooling allowed me to be able to build this cool memory with with my son, my oldest son. What we did next was once we got to Detroit, we, we, we stayed somewhere along the way. We had to figure out where we're going to stay, where we're going to eat, how we're going to do everything. And we uh, stayed in a, in a parking lot in the middle of you know, nowhere, basically, on the way. We decided to take the, the second half of the trip, the second leg of the trip, out to Detroit in the morning uh, when we were feeling a little bit more refreshed. So we stopped, got something to eat, figured out where we wanted to go, kind of a cool thing for a kid to figure out with his dad. And then we got to Detroit, Detroit the very next morning. One of the uh, places we really wanted to go was the Henry Ford Museum. The uh, I think it's called Henry Ford Museum of uh, Auto Innovation and Automotive something or another. I can't remember. Uh, I could probably just do a quick Google search, but <laughs> if you look at the Henry Ford Museum, you're going to find it. Trust me. It's a big thing in Detroit. And this is a really cool museum. They got all these different cars, including pre- presidential cars. You know, the I believe and this is what it said. Uh, they had the car that Kennedy was shot in. Uh, it didn't appear to be a replica. It, I didn't see anything that said it was a replica. It said it was Kennedy's car. So as long as that's true, we got to see Kennedy's car. We got a cool picture with it. Um, 
But while we were there, we, we actually got to learn about the past. And it was both of us. We did this on our journey together, right? When, we're, when you're unschooling, it's the parent just facilitating some of the stuff that the, that the kid wants to do if they're not able to do it on their own. And we're co-learners in that sense. So I got to be a co-learner in something that I was actually interested in. And I, I did pump it up along the way. You know, we're going to visit this cool museum and I'd been there before. But it was really fun looking at it through new eyes. And he got to lead the way as we as we went through this museum and explored history. And they not only have just cars, but they got planes and <clears throat> auto, uh, not automotive, um, aviation is big in our city in, in Cleveland. We had the air races, which turned into, uh, if not the first, one of the first national air shows in the United States. And we have a air show on Labor Day every year that goes back and forth between the Navy and the Air Force. Uh, so you'll see one or the other performing. And there's a bunch of other stuff that goes on with that. But uh, <clears throat> Uh, it was cool getting to go to through the aviation. We got to talk about some of the history of our city and not just Detroit because Detroit, of course, has a lot of the automotive as well. But uh, believe it or not, Cleveland does too. So we actually got to read about that. Uh, it's kind of what made Henry Ford's name was beating a guy from our city, uh, Cleveland, in uh, a, a race and kind of made Henry Ford's name. So real interesting stuff. And I got to learn some some of that uh interesting history as well um there was a cool aspect to it where they were trying to inspire future innovators so it, it engaged children to learn from history and historical figures and events to shape their own innovative thinking and uh one of the ways they did that was they had you make your own paper airplane in the auto uh, in the aviation section and I thought that was pretty cool. So we had some fun, like really hands-on stuff, throwing these paper airplanes and we tried to make different designs and they could teach you different designs to make uh, the paper airplanes out of. And my son actually made a better design than me. His, his beat me a lot more, even though I had a pretty killer design. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. There was some competition and there was a little bit of innovation in that sense, at least as much as there can be for um, uh, just a normal, regular 10-year-old. <clears throat> And I, I really think it was a, a positive experience. So we got to experience some of that innovation. We were surrounded by history and like the, that people who changed the world, you know, in their, the history books. So uh, hopefully a positive experience for him when we did that. And this was the only educational thing that I really had planned. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily to be educational. It was just something to, something to do in Detroit. One of the other benefits as I, as I reflect back on this trip is we, we deepened our bond as father-son. That's a, that's a very special bond, but I think there's something about when your dad treats you as kind of an equal. Now, of course, he wasn't, you know, I don't, I don't want to be silly, but like driving the car and, you know, they're making all the decisions and I'm subservient. It wasn't like that. It was, it was an equal, uh, we're, we're making decisions together collectively for our adventure. And when, when dad kind of props you up to his level and at 10 years old, you, at least I remember really looking up to my dad, I think it, 
I think it, uh, one, deepens the bond, of course, between father and son. <clears throat> but second, I think it also shows the kid that you respect him. You know, it's kind of a coming of age thing. You're, you're 10 years old, you're double digits in. And now we're going to go on an adventure and I respect what you think. So much so that we're going to make this decision together. Uh, and I think that helps build some confidence, maybe even accepts some more responsibility on his end. And I think that is the future relationship I want with my son. So I'm, I'm cultivating it now. And that's on top of creating these lasting memories where we actually have a fun time and we, we get this shared experience and these these problems that come up uh, along the way and we have to figure it all out um, along the way you know some of the problems we ran into is we had to heat the box truck and uh, we decided to wall off about half of it because it's a huge box and we didn't want to heat the whole thing so I got this indoor heater and it can't run a lot off electricity unless I had a some kind of electricity reserve and I didn't have that. And that's pretty expensive. So I got this heater that runs off propane. It says indoor right on it. I know that carbon monoxide is created when burning stuff. And I just don't know how much with propane, but I trusted that it said indoor and I'd figure it out along the way. And as I busted open the heater, the first night we were out there, I'm reading it with him, showing him that I read the instructions and I really needed to read the instructions. <laughs> And I read that you have to have it like a, a well-vented. My friend warned me of this. And I was just, oh gosh, now we're going to be cold. It got down to 31 degrees, I believe, where we stayed the first night. And, uh, you know, so I only, I'm, I'm I'm a respiratory therapist. I know it. it's difficult to get any kind of carbon monoxide poisoning from something that's designed to be run indoors. Uh in an hour. So I decided to just run it for an hour. And honestly, the box, the door, the back door is kind of fallen off. It's probably well vented enough, but I decided to play it safe. I only ran it for an hour because I didn't have a carbon monoxide detector in the car at the time. And, you know, then we had to solve uh, being cold and all this stuff. Meanwhile, start trying to make it fun. And, but, it, but it created this cool memory of us freezing. We decided to watch uh, the movie Karate Kid while we had the heat on, then we went to bed <clears throat> and it, uh, I don't know. We, we froze our butts off. We had, we had warm enough sleeping bags, but he, uh, me, him, me and him snuggle up. I gotta tell you, we had a big air mattress and it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but very, 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 very cold and miserable to that point. <laughs> Some other memories we had were, uh, driving around Detroit, listening to some Motown. And I got to explain the history of, you know, Motown, where that all came from in Cleveland. It was rock and roll. We coined the term rock and roll in Cleveland. We got to talk about that. And uh, a lot of the history of, of Cleveland and rock and roll. That's why we got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, in downtown Cleveland. But we also focused just a lot on Detroit. And I'm pointing out like, hey, there's Telegraph Road. That's where the first telegraph line Went. What is a telegraph? Well, here's a telegraph. You know, that was before phones. And just l looking at all these different teaching points along the way, and we blended education with a good time and had all these fun times along the way. Some other issues we ran into were, uh, <laughs> so I had no idea how revitalized downtown Detroit was. 
I've been to downtown Detroit a couple years ago and you know, all these Midwestern older cities are somewhat going through a revival or renaissance, if you will. Cleveland being one of them. Detroit, you, you think of maybe being a little bit further behind than maybe the rest of the cities. And when I got to downtown Detroit, I was absolutely blown away by how much revitalization they've had even since I've been there last. They, of course, had this rail service going around that was above uh, the road which was pretty cool, and they'd had that for years. But they also added a street rail, like uh, Houston has, if you've ever seen that. I thought that was pretty cool, and then the streets were buzzing. It was like an outdoor shopping mall everywhere I went. So maybe I got lucky and turned down every nice street in downtown Detroit, but there were people lining the streets, shops everywhere, even high-end shops, and I was just really impressed. They had a nice Christmas display, Christmas things going up, and you could have convinced me I was in uh, Chicago. At the, at the time. Um, then I started kind of putting it together that maybe this was a unique situation because it was like two weekends before Christmas. It was mild weather. It was in the 50s during the day. On top of that, they they it, the, it got dark really early. So it felt like it was later. It was only 6 o'clock and the streets, you know, people were all over the place. And, and they had a Detroit Lions game right downtown, so there was probably a, lot of, probably a lot of tailgating. But either way, good job, Detroit. You showed off for me and my son made some made some great memories. We got stuck downtown. That's kind of where I was going with this. The problem we got was we were stuck downtown in traffic because there were just so many people everywhere. And we we're sitting there in the box truck trying to figure out how to get out. We can't turn on every street because not every street can accommodate this box very easily. And there's gosh, we 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 just you know navigated through it. I put him in charge of uh the GPS and we went out our way we eventually figured out where we wanted to go, what we wanted to do. And we headed out there. So a lot of fun when we got there, <clears throat> we made some more lasting memories by trying to beat. I, I got him a, this Zelda game for the switch. So we had the switch with us, the Nintendo switch and we tried to beat Zelda. And then we watched uh, one of my favorite movies when I was a kid, which was uh, the, the movie called stand by me. For a little bit older kids, I didn't really want my five-year-old watching it because it deals with some, you know, like death and stuff like that. Some stuff that maybe kids don't want to watch a movie about when they're that young. But, you know, he's 10 years old. We got to watch that. And I thought that was pretty cool. And we uh, got a carbon monoxide detector. That's what we decided to do collectively. And we were able to keep the heater on. We, we kept it on for like three or four hours and that thing didn't even give a chirp. I think I think there's enough holes in this box to keep it well vented. So we did not sleep with it on for those of you who are worrying. Um, but we were able to keep warm the second night for the most part, at least a lot warmer than the first night. Uh, another cool thing, you know, as I, as I look back on this trip that we got to do is I turned 10 years old in Detroit, Detroit Metro. And I got to go back and visit my history and I almost connected back with that age and it was cool sitting with my son who was that age. And I remember my 10th birthday. I remember being 10 and how cool that was. And I'm sitting there cruising the streets on my bike, you know, at 10 years old. And now I'm driving those streets, same very streets with my son, showing him where I used to go, showed him my old house, showed him my old school. And that, that going, going to those kind of landmarks, those, you know, personal 
historical landmarks landmarks helped me just really identify with where he's at. And I think that was a very positive thing for our relationship because he got to hear a bunch of cool stories from me uh, and learn about, you know, dad's story. And I think that's very important to a son. You want to know where you came from. You want to know where you're going. You want you just want to, you want to know some of the history. At least that was important to me. So we, we, we were able to do that together. I also got to talk to him because I was, I, I lived in, uh, Detroit Metro, I went to a school there uh, for third and fourth grade. Forgive me, for uh, second and third grade. And I, one of the stories I often bring up is I was able to write, I was expected to write stories once a day in second grade. And I, me and my best friend would always write stories about King Kong and Godzilla and like, you know, they'd, they'd write one sentence on the board and we'd have to finish it with a paragraph. And it was like, I was walking through the park and, you know, my story was always like King Kong came out of nowhere and then Godzilla came over and like, there was always this epic fight. Well, and when I went into third grade, me and him, he went into a different third grade class that I did, than I did. And I was told in a parent teacher meeting that I wasn't allowed to write any more stories that involved King Kong or Godzilla. And I loved writing. I loved writing because of this, because me and him were always trying to outcompete each other or, or out, outperform each other in these stories, just like a more epic battle. And it was a lot of fun. And then I got told I wasn't allowed to do it anymore. And I lost my love for writing because of that in, in the name of quote unquote growth for me. This was literally said to me, uh, I need to expand beyond that and grow. And it's like, well, I specialize in stories about King Kong and Godzilla. Why would you have me do that? My parents supported it, supported it, and uh, probably because I just didn't know any better. I mean, I might have done the same thing in their situation, and um, <clears throat> really killed a lot for me. So we got to talk about that and how how that affected me. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't good. I, I believe it was also, yeah, it was, it was also had to have been third grade then. I, I think I've been saying it's been in fourth grade when I learned fractions must've been in, uh, third grade, if I'm not mistaken. I remember I missed a week of school and they covered fractions while I was gone. I'd, we'd never done it. And then they just, they just get there and they're covering fractions. I have no idea what's going on. I felt dumb for not knowing. I felt afraid to ask up. And when I got to the end of the class, they just went over and they handed me a stack of papers about a half inch thick, if I remember right. It was huge for, for me. And they said, you need to learn all this, finish all the worksheets, get caught up. You got two weeks. Might have given me three weeks, who knows. Either way, they put the responsibility to learn all that on my parents. And my parents were both working. My dad worked, uh, he was a salesman. So, you know, he worked off commission. He was always busy. And my mom was a server down the street when she was working all the time. And, uh, you know, there wasn't much opportunity for me to learn. And my mom didn't really know math that well enough to teach me. She, she felt very insecure, at least to be able to teach me that kind of math. So it was really on my dad and my dad really wasn't necessarily available or it wasn't apparent to him that I needed the help. Either way, I just drowned in that and I thought I was bad at math. 
And these were life, for, life-changing experiences for me. And I got to reflect on that with my son as I sit there and rem- remember standing in the very window that I'm looking at right now and how small it is now, but how big of a window it was back then. And I just remember staring at the, out the window thinking, what's going on? You know, man, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, so talking about that with my son was my struggles with him was very valuable. So reflecting on those stories and visiting those landmarks was very impactful for me and brought up a lot of emotions too, which was, uh, unexpected. Uh, another cool thing that, that happened as a result of this is we got to go over financial literacy, you know, and life lessons, uh, finance being one of them, got to pass on some wisdom. So we discussed, uh, some of the financial decisions I made and sacrifices we made for our family to actually make this trip happen. One of the things I focused on was, uh, we would not be able to go on this trip and spend all this money on this trip because it was one of the more expensive trips we've ever taken any one kid on or even just the kids, me and the kids. Um, we would not have been able to do that had we not made some wise decisions about our money, including we live in a double in Cleveland. And if you don't know what a double is, it means it's like an apartment, you know, two, two families or two apartments in one house. And I bought a double. I rent out the other one. And that uh, covers most of the mortgage. And we, we, we had a lot of these conversations like, well, we did this. Uh, we're doing this. We're doing this. Financially, we go without here and we go with, without here. Yeah, we have a smaller place. But it works for our family. And it affords us a lot more of, we, we have a more disposable income. And here's what a disposable income can look like. And focusing on that freedom that we, we purchase by not purchasing anything too expensive, if that makes sense. And I thought that was a a pretty cool lesson to teach him. A lot of lifestyle choices that we have. And we talked about, uh, you know, groceries and how much gas costs and just all these things. And you got to see it in real life. And I think that uh, as long as I don't scare him too much with some of the prices, because he doesn't make a lot of money right now, uh, I think it would, it's a positive thing to show them how much things really cost and that and 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 to continue to have them know that they're going to have the responsibility to do this in the future like they're going to be responsible so to take it seriously and sooner than they think they need to so we focus a lot on finances because i think that's something totally (laughs) sorry shouldn't use such extreme language it's almost completely forgotten about in uh school systems in schooling, you know, they might, they might have some form of financial education, but I don't think it's not a standard. That's for sure. So that's one of the more practical aspects of uh, doing home education is we can do that. The next thing that this trip got me thinking about was how envision the future with my son, because I had to advance the way is hard to say uh, or articulate. I had to treat him as if he was older and more mature than he may actually be at that very, uh, on a regular basis at that time. 
I had to put a lot of intentional thought into it and how I'm going to handle it. And that got me thinking, as I look off into the future, what a relationship looks like. And I kind of covered a little bit about this in the beginning. But what I decided was, now that he's 10 years old, I would like to allow him to make more mistakes. And the only way, reason I say it like that is because it's from my perspective. I want to jump in and direct him down the quote-unquote correct path or the best path. And the truth is he has his own journey. And <clears throat> the only way to figure out what your journey is going to be is to take the risks to make it your journey, not someone else's. And therefore, we have to make, they have, the child has to make mistakes. And I have to allow those mistakes and not sit there and be a hovering parent, nor am I going to veto him. I have to allow him to make mistakes. Now, for him, he might frame that completely differently. It might be more like, I get to make my own choices. <laughs> but when you're 10, you're going to make mistakes. When you're 40, you're going to make mistakes. I mean, my gosh. So uh, allowing those mistakes as early as possible is is kind of one of the themes of uh, my parenting. And give give them the responsibility before you know they can handle it all. Because honestly, what's your alternative? They're never going to be able to handle it all without learning from their mistakes. It's the feedback that they get. Now, of course, we want to do this as responsibly as possible. I'm not going to put him in a tough situation where he could get hurt or something else. But, you know, he might get a little bit hurt. You know, if he goes over and decides to do something silly on his bike, he might knock out a tooth, might fall flat on his face. I don't know. Break a bone, do something. I know I sure did stuff like that. But I had to learn the hard way. Otherwise, I was only going to do it when my parents weren't looking. And then, you know, there's the the uh, temptation to try and hide it. And then, you know, you can't walk besides them, beside them when they run into these tough spots. Or they just wait until they're 18 and they do it all when they get the full control of their life. And I think that that's the least safe time to do it. So if he wants to make mistakes, I, I would rather he do it where I can walk beside him in my house where there's a safety net that will allow him to learn the lesson it with, the, with the least amount of pain and destruction possible. So as I look off into the future, I am going to be more of a, uh, a voice to learn the easy way as opposed to learning the hard way. And when I say that, and I tell my kids this all the time, you can learn it two, things two ways. One, the easy way, or two, the hard way. The easy way is listening to people who are wise, who you trust who are on your team, who want what's best for you. That's the easy way. <laughs> the hard way is letting life tell you you're doing something wrong That's dest or destructive or however you want to frame it, but life will push back at you. And the hard way Will, will, will give you those lessons over and over and over again until you learn that lesson and you'll have a very hard life until you learn that lesson. My goal is to allow those lessons to happen as early as possible so that way in the future he'll be much more mature, you know, a very mature 12-year-old, a very mature 15 or 20-year-old uh, because he's been through a lot. 
he's already had the chance to make a lot of his own decisions. So that's the future I envision with my son is being that of, hey, you can learn from me if you trust me. I'm on your team. I hope you believe that. Here's the easy way. <clears throat> and I would be more of that, uh, you know, quote unquote, inner circle of people that he might listen to. And believe it or not, guys, all you parents, they're going to uh, have a choice whether they invite you on into their inner circle. A lot of people, when they turn 18, decide to reject a lot of what their parents say. And I think that rejection comes from being controlled a lot of times, at least from what I can read, what I've read. If you control and you make all the decisions decisions for your child, they tend to rebel, especially, I shouldn't say especially, but there's that certain, you know, boy becoming a man rebellion. And I'm going to do everything my dad told me not to do. I don't think that's very healthy. I think that uh, that's not the relationship I'm going for with my son. So I, I really want to be in that role of, hey, I, I'm on your team. Here's what I see. Take it for what it's worth. And now you get to make the decision. That's where I want to go from here. At least that's where I want to, <laughs> what I say in December of 2023. So we'll see. You know, I, I reserve the right to evolve my opinion, but as best I can see, that's that's really where I want to head. I'm just uh, playing it, playing it by uh, intuition at this point, and uh, based off my experience as well, and what and what I've read. So it's an educated thing, but uh, I know I don't know everything, so take it for what it's worth. So moving on, uh, how can you yourself plan? A similar bonding and educational experience with your son. And and the point is, we can have all of life integrated into one experience, one adventure, right? We made it educational. We grew our relationship. Um it it was it was a fun time. We made lasting memories and we cultivated new skills along the way that are going to be useful in this future. These meta skills where it's like problem solving, creativity, all these things. And then and then a lot of practical knowledge too. So here's the best I got for you. One, choose a destination with some educational value. You know, select locations that offer maybe historical, cultural, scientific learning opportunities. These kinds of things might be museums or historical sites, nature preserves. I think all these are good options. In addition to that, what I would, what I would suggest if you uh, have the ability to, to do so also have some personal connection in that area. You know, it's not always, you know, sometimes you want to go on an adventure and explore new areas. And I totally get that. I, I tend to lean that way. But I can tell you that the, the personal journey that I went on, you know, I was 10 years old there, living in that house over there. And here to my right is my 10-year-old son. Did something. I don't know what it is, but it did something. It really made me be able to connect. I got very emotional along the way. And I uh, really, really appreciated uh, my time with them. I mean, like on a on a new level. So it did something. I, I don't know what it is, guys, but take it for what it's worth. Uh, next thing to help you do this yourself would be incorporate some hands-on activities. That means engaging in activities that require like participations. This could be stuff like oh, maybe a workshop or 
uh, if they have like some kind of guided tour that's interactive or maybe like an outdoor adventure, you know, you have something you're going to do together. I think these experiences can be a little bit more impactful and memorable. And it's not just sitting in a movie theater <laughs> where you're just kind of like experiencing something together, but you're not really together. This may, this interactivity between you and your son or you and your daughter is, uh, I think what actually makes the memory. You know, you, you might enjoy the movie. You might enjoy the, the uh, whatever experience that's that's kind of one size fits all. It's the it's the it's the connecting together and talking and doing something together that I think really made this journey of, for me very impactful. Next little tip, if you will, is uh, plan it together. If your kid's old enough, plan it together. Man, invite them in the process. Show them how to be an adult. Right? Here's how you plan. I remember going through with my son <clears throat> a checklist because I had a, a, all the stuff I needed to get done and pack. And I taught him how to make a packing list. I taught him how to make a checklist of stuff that we need to get done. And he's checking it with me. He became responsible with me. And I think that was a really good thing that you can help foster with your kids. And you can do this even younger than 10, I think. In fact, I think you could do it as young as five. They might not take as much responsibility, of course, but... Uh, I think they're able to comprehend it, having a you know five-year-old right now saying that. Uh, let them research it. You know, as you plan together, let them research places to visit. Like, do it with you. So we did that as a part of uh, our experience, and I think that was him taking ownership of it and saying, "Yeah, I want to go there." Really made it fun and something that we were both looking forward to, and it gives them a sense of ownership and excitement. I think that that uh, is really valuable. That really kind of set the stage. Next little tip is uh, mix learning with fun. You know, as we are unschoolers, we say life is our education. We're going to go over and learn about things as they come. The world will teach us our lessons, and we just go over and capitalize on those learning opportunities. And that's that's exactly what we did. You know, learning should be fun. Learning's tinkering. Learning's taking risk. Learning is uh, doing what you might enjoy. So balancing. Uh, these educational aspects with fun and relaxation. You know, it doesn't always have to be an educational journey. We, we played Zelda and tried to uh, beat Zelda, you know. Take breaks from learning. It doesn't all have to be. Like, take it as it comes, and that, that's how you do it. Uh, so what you could do is, in, you know, outside of my little journey in Detroit, Detroit is uh, include activities like maybe games or hikes. Maybe you go to the beach, make it more enjoyable, little carefree, stress-free, that kind of thing. Next tip to be able to build a journey with this would be uh, document the journey. I journal, and I've been a little lax on it lately, but uh, for the past four, five years or so, I've pretty much journaled every day what's happened, what I've done. And uh, you don't have to take it that seriously, but take photos. Yeah, if you want to journal, like write it down. Honestly, journaling about those big days is probably the most important thing uh, because you're, you're going to want to remember this. This is your life. You're literally writing down the story of your life in this journal if you do that. So do that. I mean, trust me, like going back, we, we sat at the table right before I left and we were talking about, um, <laughs> what were we talking about? I think previous birthdays or so, oh, previous trips that we've taken. And I went back and looked in my journal about this crazy trip we took to Hilton Head and how my son projectile vomited 
and my other son tried to follow in the pool chemical filter that I don't know what it was like this little pool thing but then the same day and my other son same day he jumped in the pool and he was underwater and I had to rescue him and my other son fell out of bed all the same day like and this was crazy crazy day but so memorable and we all laughed about it and at the time it was so awful it was an awful day <laughs> in my book but it sure is what it's what makes the memories uh in the future so document your journey but take a lot of pictures do some video you're gonna love to hear your kid's voice you're gonna love to hear your voice and uh, just who you, who you were at that time you know I, I got to, uh, unfortunately, I had to go to a, a funeral this week, and it became very, very, very evident that these are these these memories are all you get in life. My my friend, he was a childhood friend when I was in high school. He got in a bad car accident when we were <clears throat> when we were still in high school, and he had a rough life. He uh, had brain damage and really not to, never got to experience life fully. And he, and he passed away uh, while I was in Detroit. And uh, I hadn't seen him in a couple years. And uh, really made me remember how short this life really is. That this guy that I used to sit by in Sunday school. And we went to high school together and we'd hang out afterwards and I was friends with the whole family. Uh, really great friends with his brother. Even still to this day. Um, we're not guaranteed anything, guys. And uh, those pictures and that journal and the souvenirs that you get might be all that's left of your memory for the people around you. And... Uh, Having this happen after the trip was just solidifying it in my my head that this is who I'm going to be as a parent. That I'm going to be putting them first. Like I got my own endeavors and everything, but when I say first, I, I don't I don't mean I'm gonna put them everything in my world comes second. You know, obviously this is part of my world, but like anything that's uniquely just mine, not not sharing with the family. Uh, you know, that, that I need to have a balance between everything. And that if it's ever out of whack where I am not spending time with my family and the relationships that I form with my friends and family, that this is kind of worthless. Like everything that you build crumbles. But what does last is who you were to other people. And I didn't remember anything my friend did except for the relationship that we had. I mean, I remember he was into certain stuff. I got to look through some of his drawings, and I even remembered some of the drawings that they had on display. Got to see some cool pictures, though. And I remember, like, I, I was in one of the pictures sitting sitting next to him. I don't know what I was doing, but I was making a weird face. And uh, I just remember some of the conversations that we had sitting, maybe even in those seats. I don't know. But that picture meant a lot. The relationship meant a lot. And, uh, yeah, I'm just determined to make sure I focus on my legacy as who I'm remembered by, not so much of what I've done. Uh, made it very, very clear to me.
in that moment. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> uh, connect learning to real-world applications would be my next tip. Uh, I tried to discuss the things learned during the trip and apply it to real-life scenarios, so make it very practical. And, uh, you know, for instance, we uh, talked about the budget that we had. We talked about the practical aspects of actually getting to and from and just the logistics of it. We uh, even talked about, like, how some of the discoveries, you know, this is these discoveries of the uh, automobile, not discovery, but the, the mass manufacturing of the automobile, how impactful that was and how that has been applied day after day, time after time since that discovery of the assembly line. And just back back then, it was so much more simple uh, compared to today, but those types of uh, discoveries can still be made today and just how he could be the one who does that. So I, I really wanted to inspire him and make it real world as, as much as I could for him. So tying it back to make it uh, as tangible as possible to them, I think it really is what makes it something that they can relate to. If I hope that that makes sense to you. Uh, if it's a pie-in-the-sky thing that doesn't really relate to them, they just they might not take much of an interest. But when it starts to become, wow, I could actually manipulate things around me to create a future. I think that's pretty cool. And hopefully I inspire them in that way. Uh, next tip is reflect on the experience. So after the trip, we sat around at the dinner table. We told people. We showed pictures. We uh, All this stuff, all very, very, very important <clears throat> to do because it helps frame exactly what the trip was. And I made sure to reinforce that this was an awesome experience, that we had a great time together, that we uh, have a new relationship, that building a new relationship based off that, uh, all those things, because we could frame it as, oh my gosh, we were so cold. Oh, it was a miserable this and miserable that. Because there were some things that were really tough that he had to endure. But I framed it as, man, you were so brave. Man, you were so tough during those instances, like you decided to be tough and you didn't have to, you decided to be brave when you were scared. So cool to frame that experience on that. And then to tell a story in front of everyone and give them that validation, I think is, is kind of uh, important from father to son. Uh, next tip, be, be flexible, have an open itinerary. It's good to have a plan, but be spontaneous. Go on detours, make discoveries, make it an adventure, right? That's what an adventure is, is going into the unknown. And you might even find some uh, unexpected things that you really enjoyed. It might even be like the main memory of the trip. Uh, next is budget wisely. Plan a trip according to your budget. <laughs> Include the kids in on it. I think it's a great educational experience. And lastly, safety. Make sure that you have all the safety measures in place and that you're, uh, I don't know. You, you got to think about this stuff. I probably didn't put as much thought into this as I should have. <laughs> Not should have. should say that. Uh, I could have put a little bit more time into thinking about safety. Uh, for example, like the bringing a carbon monoxide detector. I didn't really think about that, even though I knew it was a risk. I had to go out and buy one. I already had one at home. You know, these kinds of things. Uh, you, you don't want to mess up. You don't want to make this a negative experience. You know, someone ends up in the hospital. It might make for a good thing later, but should someone really get hurt, not a good thing. Anyways, with that... I'm going to 
end today's episode. So stay curious, stay unschooled, and stay away from the algebra nightmares. I'll catch you in the next episode. So here's where we roll up our sleeves and bring out the big guns. If you support our mission, then please leave a review. On Unschooled Unleashed, we are talking about using a radical approach to education in today's world. And the more five-star reviews we have, the more people will feel comfortable with the ideas, strategies, and principles we discuss. It gives legitimacy to our message and the podcast's algorithm prioritizes us so we can reach more people. You may even have your five-star review read on our podcast. Before I let you go, I have to pause and say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Your presence here is the fuel that ignites this movement. I am incredibly moved that you trust in us enough to click play. You, my friends, are the caped heroes in this story, the guardians of your family's learning journey, and a beacon of hope for your community. Be bold. Do what you think is best for you and your family. Thanks again for tuning in and taking this courageously outside of the box for this educational revolution. Welcome to the front line.